My name is Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling, Behind the Glass Jerry is here, Shanley Vidal, our content producer, and we like to have fun on this show, we like to have fun especially on Fridays, and we are going to do that, but right now, we do want to start with something serious. You heard in Jeff's newscast the line that there are loud calls for gun control. Greg Mackling has some thoughts, more thoughts on what happened in Florida on Wednesday, and specifically the reaction from the United States Commander-in-Chief yesterday. Well, Brett, before I go any further, I want to be open with with the fact that I've never fired a gun. I've never even held a gun. And that's not really out of fear, but more so out of respect. However, I have come to believe a couple things about guns and their place in our world. By not knowing how to properly handle and operate a gun, I believe that I may be an irresponsible citizen. Something I could have never imagined believing before becoming a parent. I've come to respect the Second Amendment to the Constitution of the United States of America. I have lots of friends in the United States, spend a lot of time there. I believe I have a better understanding of American history and the historic significance of the gun in American history. Doesn't mean I endorse all of it. I just believe I understand it better than I ever did. Yesterday morning, the President of the United States addressed the American people, and by extension, the rest of the world, in the wake of another mass murder of children at a school. Donald Trump did not use the word gun once in his speech. He did declare his intention to tackle mental health issues. I give him a standing ovation for that. Bravo. Something I've been openly advocating for publicly for five to six years of my life. But will the Donald walk the walk on this? Will we see an executive order today? Monday? I think it's a holiday in the States. Tuesday? For tens of billions of dollars in funding for this critical piece of the mass shooting issue? We'll see. On a side note, Mr. Trump, while you're at it, undo the executive order you signed last year, which made it easier for citizens in the U.S. with mental health concerns to get their hands on a gun. Can we not, at the very least, find common ground on one basic thought. Not all guns should be available to all people. At the very least, can we not agree on that? Now I will pair the word control with the word the president wouldn't use. Gun control isn't about a banning of all things for all people. It's about controlling access. If you ever smoked, where did you get your first cigarette? If you've ever consumed alcohol, where did you get your first drink? In both situations, most people would say at home, easy access. If you couldn't get it at home, you could go something we used to call fishing to find someone of age to buy you cigarettes and or alcohol. But that came with a higher risk. Someone you knew or maybe more importantly, someone your parents knew might see you doing that. Some of us took the risk, many of us didn't. In the early 1990s, video gaming came to Manitoba. The proliferation of VLTs created a sense of acceptance. It also created thousands of addicts. You didn't need to get on an airplane and go to Vegas to gamble anymore. You didn't even need to go to a casino. Gambling, in my opinion, should be limited to the casino. It should be a very conscious decision, a very conscious choice, to go somewhere to do a very specific activity. Helps if the parking lot is really big 
and there aren't any bank machines on site. Is this engineering to save us from ourselves? Absolutely it is. Yes. But not all gamblers are addicted, but enough are to pay attention to the risk. All things are not meant for all people. Police drive fairly innocuous-looking cars. Ford Taurus would be the one that sticks out for me. Try going to the Ford dealer and or ordering the interceptor, interceptor version. To my knowledge, it cannot be done. Even the cars that race for millions of people on television and tens of thousands in person have something called a governor on it to control their speed. The fastest and most entertaining sports on the planet have rules on how badly you can mangle one another. In a hockey fight, there's such a thing as a line too far. I'll go back to my gambling position. If you can gamble on every street corner, it becomes acceptable. Acceptance becomes normalized behavior. One of the arguments in these discussions about gun control has to do with the idea that a bad guy will always get his hand on a weapon if he or she has intent. You won't prevent the criminal from getting a gun. It's about their state of mind. Let me leave you with one question that somebody in Canada and somebody in America would answer very differently. If you wanted to get your hands on an AR-15, so if you wanted, would you know where to get one? Prohibition doesn't work. It didn't work for alcohol. It won't work for guns. But it doesn't mean we should sell alcohol, cigarettes, or guns in vending machines. You can react at 204-780-6868 on text. You can email gmac at cjob.com. That's g-m-a-c-k at cjob.com. Or brett at cjob.com. It is Plaid Shirt Day. Global Winnipeg Community Ambassador Eva Kovacs joins us to explain what that means. Bon Festival. This is what it's all about. So today is the kickoff of Festival de Voyager. So the next 10 days are filled with all kinds of fun things in the St. Boniface area. You've got Voyager Park with the tents and the entertainment and the food and the ice sculptures, all of that kind of stuff. And it all begins today. So we thought it would be a fun way to kick off Festival de Voyager. Wear plaid, as you know, it's one of those symbols of Festival that they've been wearing for the 39 years that Festival has been on. And so we thought the very first day, let's just paint the province plaid and get everyone into the spirit of this wonderful winter festival. Well, you know, I lived in Calgary for a time and Stampede, the entire community gets involved, right? You're wearing your Stetsons, you're breaking out your cowboy boots. I broke out my cowboy boots. I hadn't worn <laughs> in a decade. Uh, the first year I was in Calgary, I went and I got them all spiffy and got them all done up. And I always lamented the fact that Winnipeg didn't have something like that, where the whole community got involved and and I know you mentioned St. Boniface but this festival is getting very large to a point where it's not just people with French descent that are embracing it. It's the entire community. It's it, it's really, really uh, getting big. It's huge. And I guess when you're thinking about an event that's been around for so many years, right, it really does have those fingers. It's stretching out all over the place. And they have multiple venues throughout the city that have concerts and special things happening throughout the time. They have their uh, wood carving competition. This year, cheese competition. There's the beard growing competition that happens tonight. Glows Russ Hobson's in that one. He's been waiting two 
two months for this beard to just really fill in. And so it's a, it's a big thing. And this year's real focus is family. So they have a bunch of new additions as well this year where they're really trying to appeal to the younger families to come and, and spend time at Fort Gibraltar. So it really is growing and it's it's a ton of fun to go. Well, and they have uh, doubled their children children's programming and they're providing free admission to kids 12 and under, previously only five and under. And I think the weather has probably cooperated a little bit better with them this year and for the I'm thinking of the the sculptures the snow sculptures because usually we get that thaw do you remember last year I mean I remember putting away my winter boots and hauling out the rubber boots because it was just so mucky and they were constantly putting down straw and whatever they could wood chips because it was just so wet and while the balmy weather is kind of nice sometimes it really took away from the snow sculptures so it's really nice when you can actually see them last a few extra days and take in uh, just the talent of some of the snow sculptures that are there. So this is uh, brought to you by Mark's Plaid Shirt Day. Hashtag WearPlaid2018 for Twitter or Instagram. And uh, there's also a contest of some sort, is there not, for Mark's? There always has to be extra incentive, right? We're appealing to the people who just love plaid and want to wear it. But we also want to reward people who are getting in on the action. And so today, if you post a photo on Instagram or Twitter and you hashtag WearPlaid2018, Marks has generously come on board this year, and so they've provided a $250 gift card from Marks for the grand prize winner and three $100 gift cards for Marks for three secondary winners. So the key, though, is we need to find your photo, and so you need to hashtag WearPlaid2018. We're going to curate all of these pictures and look at them throughout the day, and then on Monday, we'll notify the winner, the winners anyway, of uh, the great pictures that they've taken. When we spoke to Daryl Nadeau of the festival on Wednesday, he was telling us about the fact that now when you buy your day pass, they want you to tell them which day you're coming. That's how big festival has become in terms of parking, the logistics, and they want you to have a good experience. They don't want you showing up because I've been there before where you show up and the, and the park is full and they don't want to have to turn people around. So just if you needed one more indication of how big and popular festival has become. That's another one, but they also have technology. They have an app available so that you can keep on top of all the things that you want to see and and not miss out on. You can totally go onto their website and see the different things that they have for sure and plan your day and plan your days at Festival if you plan to go for multiple days because there really is a lot going on when they have over 100 performers. Every day is a little bit different when you go into those tents. And uh, like you mentioned, the app on the app, you can actually listen to snippets of music from the various performers that are going to be featured throughout Festival. So that's kind of cool if you're not really familiar with the name. And I have to admit, a lot of them I'm not familiar with, but I'll listen to a little bit of the music and say, yeah, that's totally my thing. I definitely would enjoy listening to more of this kind of music. So their app is really user-friendly. It has the layout of all of the various days and different things going on at the different venues. So uh, download that. and That'll certainly help. And while you're downloading it, post your photos. Global Winnipeg Community Ambassador Eva Kovacs, thank you so much joining us on Plaid Shirt Day. We talk a lot, uh, have been talking a lot in recent weeks about scams, phone scams, various types of fraud, email, whatever. Now a growing number of Winnipeggers have been on the receiving end of a scam that often comes by text. Here's Global News reporter Tim Brook now with the fraud and how you can spot it. It's a modern twist on an old scam. 
or in the past you would have gotten a letter or a phone call, now you're getting an email or a text. But the aim hasn't changed, getting your personal information to raid your bank accounts. Manitoba Hydro has already received almost 50 complaints this year alone from those saying they're getting texts from scammers posing as the company, oftentimes using the 204 area code. Someone else wants your banking information, they want your, P your PIN, uh, and they want to be able to take money out of your account. Almost every week, there's a different variation that wants you to find your bank. Police say the scammers have become more sophisticated, and there's not a lot they can do to stop it. Most of the messages come from overseas criminals working large-scale operations. From all of those thousands, if not more, uh, texts going out, they're going to victimize, unfortunately, a few people, and, and it makes it worthwhile. The operation's so well thought out, the type of victim is changing too. Those that think they're familiar with technology often embrace it and are happy to click on links. The promise of easy money, that's often hard to resist. But remember, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Tim Brook, Global News. Here's some advice from police. If a message is asking for any personal information, even your mother's maiden name, chances are it could be a scam. Also remember to check the URL of the linked web page. And if it's a message from a corporation like Manitoba Hydro, ask yourself if you are even expecting an email from the company. If you do think the message is suspicious, you are asked to contact the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. A couple things we spoke about in the last few weeks. There's that been that chain message on Facebook where people are filling out their family trees and whatnot. I'm convinced that's part of a scam to get a list of people's maiden names because that's a very, very common question Ooh. when you call the bank. So I would not touch that survey, quote unquote, with a 10-foot pole for public uh, distribution. And I mentioned to you this morning, I'm changing today, I'm changing my voicemail to let people know. If your name does not come up on call display, I will not be answering your phone call henceforth. If you want me to call you back, please leave a voicemail because I won't be returning calls to random numbers that show up on my phone. This has gotten to a point where a device that's supposed to be for our benefit, for our use, for our convenience is becoming a tool of crime. And if we're not careful, you could be very easily victimized. And you make a good point on the call display and a point that makes me regret being such a penny pincher because when I uh, re-upped on my cell phone contract last year, I had uh, the cost that I was paying for call display and... Um, Something extra else. voicemail box, maybe? Yeah, that's what it was. Would have been grandfathered in because the cost that I was paying was like two bucks or three bucks, but it, I think it was closer to 10 bucks now. Some, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I remember thinking, uh, no, I'll just, no thanks. Um, I, I just, I, I figured oh, I'll save a couple of bucks, no problem. And then they said, if you want to go come back to it, you can, but I should have just kept it. Fair. just kept it. Enough. For a long time, it was just telemarketers that would invade our personal space and time with phone calls at home. And then, of course, the government came up with that do not call list, which was, oh, so very, very effective. Uh, yeah, being a little sarcastic if you didn't catch on to that. Jeff Braun, Kelly Moore, Shanalee Vidal, always here behind the glass, Jerry. And we're talking about whether or not you've ever been targeted by a scam. We just played a report from Global News reporter Tim Brooke about how some people are getting targeted by a 
text message scam. And uh, one of our listeners here just sent a screenshot to us at 780-6868 of a voicemail. You know how you can get your voicemails transcribed now? Not everybody's doing it, but a lot of people are. And it goes something like this. The Department of Canada Revenue Agency, the reason behind this call is that there's a lawsuit getting filed under your name. The moment you receive this message, I want you to get back to me. And it goes on to threaten our listener with jail and that uh, the police may be coming to get you. So clearly, Brett, some of these voicemails, text messages scare people into action. And in this case, it's area code 226 which I would have thought is somewhere. I've never heard of that one, but it's in Ontario. Hmm. Yeah, that's Southern Ontario, 226. Okay. There you go. Yeah. So Jerry just... used to work for Ontario Tell. <laughs> <laughs> Ma Bell. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess we'll just go around the horn here. We'll start with you, Jerry. Um, have you, I mean, you've sort of been everywhere, man, in, in your travels. <laughs> you have lots your... of street smarts. Have you ever been scammed? Uh, I've never been scammed, but uh, recently I keep getting phone calls from California and Arizona. And I don't answer. There are 855 numbers and always different numbers. I tried blocking the numbers, but every day I get about two or three of these calls and they're all from different numbers. So blocking them isn't helping at all and it's just annoying and I never answer them and no one ever leaves a, a voicemail but it's just you know I'll be in the middle of something and my phone will ring oh someone's on no no it's that 855 number again yeah gorgeous sent us a text message another text scam and it says simply says Manitoba hydro credit due to an error collect and then there's a colon and then it says tap to load preview hmm. and it looks like there's an attachment hydro dash mb dot transfer so they're trying to get you to crack open some kind of weird attachment so don't do that i've never seen that i That's got scary a, i got a notification of an interact e-transfer coming from the government and to click on it and it looked really good all the logos and everything were outstanding shanley you've been a victim or an attempted victim of these things uh yeah i get the calls from strange numbers like jerry does all the time but uh Yesterday morning, I was in the newsroom and I got a text from a strange number. It was a 204 number and it just said, hello. And and then I, I saw that I had actually gotten the same text from that same number in October. I never responded. They also said, oh, just hello. So I responded back and I said, who is this? It's Adele. Yeah. It's Adele. It's obvious. <laughs> and, 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 there, and then they reply, you called me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like thinking that's pretty creepy and I, I did a I did a search to make sure it wasn't you know any any numbers or anything that that I knew and I couldn't find any information about this phone number and then later that afternoon uh, I get a call from that same number so I didn't actually pick it up it went straight to voicemail but I'm pretty sure that's probably a, some sort of scam oh they didn't leave a message they did not leave a message Surprise. and now I have installed this uh, app on my phone that will uh, next time they call it will get blocked I have to find one that can block text messages I don't have I don't have that but also about the revenue scam yeah. my mom got targeted a few months ago and my mom's you know she's a little older than me vulnerable maybe maybe she's older than you yeah well, you good. know <laughs> I mean she's 
I'm, 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 you know. She's I'm, not street savvy <laughs> like you are. Baby, she's, she's very, very <laughs> trusting, okay? And so they call her on, on her, her number and, and saying that she owes all this money and then that they're going to come down and arrest her. And, and then uh, she got off the phone. They kept calling back and they were being like, uh, like swearing at her, being terribly aggressive. She, like, she was so scared. She almost had a heart attack. She called up Canada Revenue Agency and told them this. And they, like, no, 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 you know, no, Mrs. Vidal. We would never do that. We would never probably call once you. they start swearing at you. you well, yeah, I think mean, that's and so the funny. My, but my boyfriend, he when he gets the scammers, he has conversations with them sometimes. He leads them on, on especially maybe they're it's not too clear what they're saying, and then he ends up uh, getting the guy to swear at him, and and it's a very fun conversation. It's nice to set that trap yeah, if you can waste their time. Well, oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's one other person they're not scamming, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right, yeah. Jeffrey. Uh, any text, email, or phone message I get that isn't, this is John from your mechanic's office or Dave from your dentist, I just delete it. I don't even listen to it. I don't, and I've missed out on actual stuff that I just delete without, like the credit card company tried to yeah. get a hold of me once to tell me my card number had been compromised and there are all these charges and I just hung up on them and three weeks later I called them back and said, like, hey, someone stole my card and they're like, yeah, we tried to call you. It says here you hung up on us. I was like... I'm sorry. It's so, yeah, interfering I, with legitimate business, right? And I wonder... Sorry, I turned my microphone off because I was playing on my keyboard. Uh, there is... Uh, I wonder how much business or how many actual legitimate transactions or emails or messages are completely ignored, how much business is lost because people are leery, because they're scared. I get text messages from Rogers all the time, um, but I'm always reluctant when I see them because they, they, it comes in on a weird number like 4620 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's just, usually it's just they're spamming me with whatever they're trying to shill. And that's fine. I get it. They're trying to get me to sign up for this or sign up for that. But there are other text messages that come in and they look legit and you never really know. So you just, I just deleted. I'd rather play safe than, than yeah. try to investigate, especially now with the notion that you can call a number back and then you can get dinged for that. I used to do that. I won't do that anymore. And I'm almost, I'm thinking I should change my voicemail too and remove my name. You know what? That's what I was thinking too, actually. Really good idea. Yeah. Really good idea. Text here, real quick, from uh, Patty. She said she got a call yesterday from someone to be from the government who said, and it scared her. So, you know what? This is why we're talking about these things. You may not have been victimized. You might be smart enough to realize that it's a, a scam. But when you're vulnerable, you know, sometimes you hear things and you react in a way when you're caught off guard that, that isn't. In your best interest, Cal. Well, well, Patty, in SLV, your mom should hang out with my wife. She could put on a clinic <laughs> on how to handle these guys. <laughs> we, we've stopped answering now because uh, we get uh, area code 617, which is Massachusetts, and uh, 215. I can't remember where that's from. But uh, I know there's been a couple times where she would answer the phone. Yeah, hang on for a second. And she just, just leaves. Goes and does whatever she wants. Comes back about 15 minutes later. Are you still there? Yeah. Okay, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, because it goes back to your theory. I think it was you, GMAC, that said, you know, waste their time. Because uh, for these for these guys, time is money. There's no 100%. doubt about it. There yeah. was the one a few years ago of something about, uh, it was a scam about a cruise or something, right? Remember that? Yes, yeah. And I was uh, visiting some friends and at their parents' house, and these guys called, and the dad answered the phone. 
And he, he talked, he's like, oh, really? What's the deal on this cruise? And he got them to go on and on and on. And about 15 minutes later, he's like, <laughs> well, I, he's like, I can't talk to you anymore. What's your address in Tampa? Because we'll be down there in a few weeks. I'd like to come down to your office and talk to you about it in person or whatever. And the guy, and he just completely flustered the guy. And he's just howling with laughter. Right yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. And you know, though, that used to be the worst thing that happened, right? It, always, was, it, it, would, it would be a waste of your time. But now they're yeah. really going for your personal information, which can be super detrimental. So. Have you guys ever heard that? That audio of the guy that pretends to be the detective. Oh, yes. It's that great. is absolutely priceless. If there are listeners out there who have not ever heard that, just Google detective guy uh, pretending uh, or t- uh, guy pretending to be a detective on a, on a scam call. It is hilarious. <laughs> we got a text message here uh, from somebody. Uh, it's the same. I think it might be the same number here from a 226. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, we referenced the, the voicemail that uh, was transcribed. That was a number 226-493- 1505, the Revenue Canada thing. And Brenda says she was called from 226-493-1500. Very close. Yeah. Called my cell yesterday and told me I was being arrested. I told him to come get me. <laughs> <laughs> Brenda, I want you on my team. Yeah, that, that's good. I'm being evicted from my apartment. Hurry! <laughs> and he called me a B and hung up. So good for you, Brenda. Uh, you can send us your comments at 204-780-6868. Brent at cjob.com. GMAC at cjob.com. Florida authorities say it took only six minutes for the suspect in Wednesday's high school shooting to enter the building, shoot more than two dozen people, killing 17 of them, and leave, using the chaos to blend in with the panicked students. Officials say 19-year-old Nicholas Cruz then headed to a Walmart, bought a drink at a Subway restaurant, then walked to a McDonald's before being grabbed by a local deputy almost an hour later. Cruz is charged with 17 counts of premeditated murder, was ordered held without bond at a brief court hearing at a brief, or was it, yes, at a brief court hearing. And we are now joined by Global Nationals' Reggie Cicchini. Good morning to you, Reggie. Hey, good morning. Reggie, great to connect with you again today. YouTube is a place that, uh, well, a lot of uh, young people like to express their thoughts, share their activities, and uh, the suspect in this situation, this case, and this horrendous act in Florida, no different. Yeah, that's uh, that's what we're hearing is that uh, it's it, the FBI are looking into the possibility that the suspect had left a note on top of a of, or underneath rather a, a video saying something along the lines of you know like I want to be able to shoot up my school. Now yesterday during a press briefing, the FBI had said they they weren't able to verify the exact user, they weren't able to verify the location. But going along with the uh, the Instagram account that uh, the that was belonging to the suspect, it is something that they're looking down to say look maybe this was a sign that we should have flagged that could have actually prevented this. Now, Reggie, a lot of the reaction to Donald Trump speaking on this yesterday has to do with the fact that he did not use the word gun. What are you hearing from people? Well, this is exactly what people were anticipating the president would do. He would get up, he wouldn't say the word gun, and he would try to draw the country together to say, look, this is a time not to talk about gun law, this is a time to talk about healing, and this is a time to talk about uh, grieving and remember who the victims were. It's what people thought would happen, it is what happened, and now we're hearing the same kind of rhetoric come out of Capitol Hill to high-end Republican politicians from the Senate, both echoing that, including uh, Texas Senator Ted Cruz saying, look, the Republican, uh, the Democrats rather are trying to politicize this event right now and take away the Second Amendment rights of people. You got to remember, Ted Cruz is the 
biggest recipient of cash from the NRA when it comes to election time. So this is the kind of thing that we're hearing about right now that falls in line with what the president said. Reggie, these lines uh, are drawn so deeply in the sand. In fact, uh, probably not even in sand. They're in concrete, right? So many uh, Republicans on one side, Democrats on the other. And, and there's just very little room for acknowledgement that maybe not all guns are meant for all people. I don't even know if you could build that bridge between some folks on either side of this debate. No, and it's interesting to say, to hear someone like Ted Cruz say that the Democrats are trying to politicize it because the Republicans are simply trying to politicize it because all they're looking at is their political careers when they make these kind of comments. Because, look, there's an election coming up at the end of the year with midterms. People are worried about their jobs, and they're trying to reach out to their base. The problem is... An average survey will show that roughly 95% of Americans want to have some kind of stricter gun law put in place or at least a more strict background check policy put in place. So politicians are actually not listening to what the American people want. They're actually only doing what they think is the proper thing to do in order to secure themselves in the future. Now, Reggie, uh, we only have about 60 seconds left here, but we talked about this yesterday and sort of predicted how this would go. And we're seeing it, you know, people are having vigils and there are protests and everyone's talking about gun control and there are already people pushing back and saying we don't need more gun control. And that's, and that's going to be the conversation that's going to be cyclical over the next couple of days until, you know, another story out of Washington starts to muddy the picture and we forget about this. But going forward, unless there can be some kind of bipartisan law or a bipartisan, uh, you know, effort put together, we're going to see partisan lines continue to walk in the straight, uh, continue to walk in circles. And going forward, it'll be the next time we see a mass shooting event that we start this conversation all over again. Reggie, thank you for this. Thank you. Global Nationals Reggie Cicchini, live in Washington, D.C. <laughs> Is that DreamWorks? He's getting better at that recorder. Yeah. Good job, Jerry. I'm impressed. <laughs> Thank it's you. It's a little pitchy, dog, but you'll get there. It's a little pitchy, <laughs> but you'll get there. Macley McGarry in the morning, as uh, is the usual case at this exact time, on this exact day of the week, I am bracketed by the gentleman affectionately referred to as the couch potato, Jeff Braun to my left, and my co-host on this program. To my right, Brent McGarry. And Jeff, uh, before we get to the big review, there Ooh. is another movie coming out. Maybe just tell us the name of it, and then we'll explain what it is yeah, after. I guess it's one for the kids. It's called Early Man. So we'll explain what that is in a moment. But first, a review of Black Panther. Black Panther. Must feel good. Sitting here comfortable. What do you want? Your secrets. Weapons. I'ma burn it all. This ends today. Who need a hero? Black Panther. You need a hero. Ready PG-13. I got to see this last Thursday, and what a treat. Black Panther, the latest film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's the story of a character we first met on film in 2016's Captain America Civil War. The short version takes place in a fictional African country called Wakanda, which is a super technologically advanced country, and its king is the super-powered Black Panther. We learn in this film where that power comes from in Captain America Civil War. It was a mystery. Chad 
Chadwick Boseman returns to play the title character and a wonderful supporting cast, including uh, Dania Guerrera, Lupita Nyong'o, Michael B. Jordan, Daniel Kaluuya, uh, Andy Serkis, Sterling K. Brown, Angela Bassett, Forrest Whitaker, and the list goes on. And not only is it a great supporting cast, but all of their characters are important to the film. They're not just kind of cardboard stand-ins to fit whatever character this needs to be, like the ex-girlfriend or the sleazy bad guy. They're all really important, so I, I liked that. And I also like that this movie isn't just a Marvel movie. It's not just an action movie or a comic book movie, but it's a cultural immersion. You find yourself, yeah, it's a fictional country, but it's still uh, the African culture with it. a really important social message. I think it's relevant and timely and talks about how we need to extend our hand rather than cross our arms and keep people away. And uh, if you go see Black Panther, you are in for a real treat. And another great thing about it is that you don't have to have seen any of the Marvel movies. A lot of people hear the term Marvel Cinematic Universe and they just roll their eyes and they think, well, I can't watch that because I haven't seen the other 15 movies or however there have been. No, you can go see Black Panther and know nothing about any of the other Marvel characters and enjoy it as a standalone. It's really a family drama that happens to be encased in a comic book movie. It's really cool. I'll give Black Panther four couch cushions out of five. And a full review tomorrow on the Couch Potatoes at noon on CJOB. And if I have to go to the bathroom at the end of it, do, can I go to the bathroom or do, should I sit through the credits? I would stay for the mid credit scene for sure because okay. there is something rather important that happens there. The end credit scene, kind of a throwaway. It was more of just a reminder to say, hey, by the way, we are. there is a bigger picture here. We haven't forgotten. Every time they do that, I have to turn to my friend Joel, who I go see these movies with, and ask him what that means because I don't read the comic books. And I have no idea what they're, the stuff they're teasing. You would know this one. This one I would? You right. would know this one. You will recognize the character. But it's if you don't stay for it, you're not missing anything, to be honest. So now, the reviews, go. the anticipation, the buzz... Has conversation taking this movie up over 150, 160 million? Have I heard 200 million? Did I hear that on this radio station this morning that yeah. perhaps 200 million was in, is in the realm for this movie? What do you think, Brad? I had this chat yesterday with Hal Anderson, and I'm kind of regretting the stance I took because we made a bet on the air. I wasn't, oh, boy. <laughs> I wasn't prepared to make a bet. And uh, he said, fine, loser, uh, buys lunch. And I said, okay. Uh-oh. We never discuss what lunch is, though. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll buy him a Snickers. Soup is not soup lunch. Soup like Banyer, right? Yeah. <laughs> soup is not counts. a meal. <laughs> Here's a can of mushroom soup. But uh, he was talking about the $150 million, and I said, I, 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 I initially thought, I'd be surprised by this because I don't, as much as I liked Black Panther, I don't feel compelled to go see it again immediately. Whereas a movie like Star Wars, they have their big, big openings because guys go see the movie one, two, three times in a weekend. Or Avengers had a huge opening because of repeat viewings. I think I saw that twice in its first weekend. Whereas Black Panther, I think I'm good. I don't need to see it again on the big screen. I'll buy it when it comes out on Blu-ray. So I don't know that this movie has the repeat value, not because it's bad, but just because it's kind of weighty. And I think it needs to be digested. But uh, I'm sort of wondering if maybe I was wrong in the $150 million. Either way, it, it, I'm happy to be proven wrong because it's, a, it's an important film that it's the first black 
lead superhero in the Marvel Cinematic Universe on film. Luke Cage did it on the small screen on Netflix, but on film it's the first black superhero, and that's a big deal. I like that it's a standalone and that I don't have to know a whole bunch about the Marvel Universe to go and enjoy this. Jeff, you would you agree watch, with that? No, I like what I like how they're all connected. You, you like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, for I'm me, into I'm, it. Not, I'm not. And, and uh, you've got me wondering what it takes to get five co- couch cushions out of five because <laughs> you've been raving about this one. Yeah, we uh, typically the the um, I usually only hand out the sectional for movies that just completely blow me away, something I've never seen before, completely innovative, imaginative. Black Panther was a little slow at times, a little heavy-handed, so it's not perfect. But it, it's very usually good. it happens with stuff that we we have like no expectation of when we walk in because we just I don't know anything about it or you know what I mean. Yeah, this you sort of knew what you're getting yourself into to some degree. Yeah. Uh, what's the other movie? It's Early Man. It's uh, from the creators of Wallace and Gromit, Chicken Run, and Sean the Sheep. It's about a young caveman named Doug and his kin who have their world turned upside down when a more advanced society of humans discover them. If we win, we can have our valley back. And if we don't beat them, we'll spend the rest of our lives working down a mine. What's a mine? You're pretty brave, caveman. (laughs) And stupid. Looks like fun. Yeah. Oops. You know, it does look like fun. It's a claymation-type animation of Wallace and Gromit style. And uh, despite the odious presence of Eddie Redmayne as the voice of the main (laughs) character, who I don't care for at all, uh, the other characters are voiced by Tom Hiddleston and Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones fame and Timothy Spall, so it's got some quality actors in it. Now, I know both of you guys have challenges spelling at times, but uh, Doug, D-U-G, twice in my notes here. Is, that's clever. Is that's that a, clever that's on, purpose. on purpose? Yeah, that's caveman oh, style spelling. Right. <laughs> that might just encourage me. That might be enough to get me in the theater. <laughs> I got a text here from John who says, hey, wasn't Blade the first black superhero? Yes, and I, I was very careful in choosing my words. I said Black Panther is the first in the don't, Marvel don't berate, Cinematic Universe. Don't berate the audience. I'm not Brett. berating the audience. I'm telling. I'm making. There's a distinction. Clarification. Blade was not in the MCU, but yeah, Blade was the first in the late '90s. Uh, so thank you for bringing that up. Friday morning. If you're trying to get out of bed right now, we're probably not helping. You may already be thinking about your afternoon nap or finding a chance to close your eyes at some point this morning. How would you feel about taking a nap at work? Believe it or not, an Alberta company is actually encouraging employees to sleep during their shift. And joining us now to talk more about this is Diana McMillan, Dr. Diana McMillan, Associate Professor with the University of Manitoba College of Nursing, Rady Faculty of Health Services. Should companies, Dr. McMillan, allow employees to take naps? Oh, not only should they, they should encourage it. Um, Actually, uh, naps can be really great for increasing vigilance and performance, um, enhancing your mood and your energy and your productivity. So uh, if you have, especially, you know, uh, if you have been putting in extra long hours, uh, a 20 minute, 30 minute uh, nap on a break period is a great way to recharge your batteries. Whether you sleep or whether you just actually rest, um, uh, you know, you can really feel uh, re-energized afterwards and much more productive. So nap can, naps can be a really good thing, but there's some caveats as well. 
Well, give us some of those caveats because all I can think about is whether or not a nap is better than a Snickers bar or another cup of coffee. <laughs> but tell us about some of the caveats uh, towards sure. a, a, a nap and, and maybe the, the side effects that, that might not be apparent off the top, Diana. Okay, well, so give, to give you some context, um, adults, healthy adults, should get about seven to nine hours of sleep, and, and kids certainly, depending on their age and how fast they're growing, they're going to need a lot more. And we, as a society, um, pretty much globally, are sleep deprived. We are the most sleep deprived. Uh, society that we have ever seen. And there's huge implications. So we probably need to prioritize sleep. And one way um, might be to try to get a brief nap. Uh, I'd say 20 minutes, maybe 30. Um, And I would recommend at that uh, little dip after lunch, if you're working during the day, this is, um, you know, for night shift workers, that's a, the timing's a little different, but say for for folks who work during the day that we have a a postprandial or after, uh, after lunch uh, sort of dip in our energy levels around one. So that would be a good time, but I would recommend definitely not taking the nap any time after four because you really reduce your drive to sleep and will find it hard to fall asleep. Um, some people find it difficult to um, sort of feel alert. They, they get uh, something uh, um, called sleep inertia after they've fallen asleep in the middle of the day. And so one of the other things that you might want to do is after you've had 20 minutes of, of nap time, um, build in an extra 10, 15 minutes where you can walk around briskly before you are back to being, you know, running any machinery or, you know, taking, uh, doing anything that is, um, uh, has any safety uh, elements involved in it. Now, if you don't take a nap, the other alternative might be in that sort of one o'clock or over the lunch hour time period is to take a brisk, a brisk walk, do some exercise or something so that you um, actually would support better sleep at night. Our guest is, a nap is a good thing. Our guest is Dr. Diana McMillan, associate professor with the University of Manitoba. She is a, a sleep expert and the headline at globalnews.ca. Should you nap at work? A sleep specialist says yes, and there is a video report that goes with that. We were going to play some of the audio, but we didn't have time. But one of the things that the video shows, Dr. McMillan, is a company called CompuVision ordered these nap pods where you lie in this kind of bed and then Mm. you're you're sort of surrounded by this encased in a a dome that lets you know nice i saw it yes um and actually they're they're um quite popular and very popular in asia um where you know sort of society has embraced the idea of a daytime nap and and many companies encourage it because they See that it enhances performance and uh, worker productivity. So, um, you know, research would suggest that uh, a limited nap. I mean, you know, you 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 want to take a, a brief nap, not uh, hours of sleep, obviously, but uh, a brief nap can really help to re-energize you, um, sort of recharge your batteries, enhances your Vigilance. So if you have a job where you have to sort of watch for things or watch for details, um, that's that's a really uh, uh, important um, sort of way to to in, improve that. But just general overall energy level. And uh, um, but, you know, it's not for everyone. Some people find it very difficult uh, to uh, to have a nap 
and and feel you know more alert for those individuals i would recommend you know taking a really good brisk walk um, or doing some kind of activity yoga or something like that for for 20 minutes instead Um, but you know you want to have somewhere you can be quiet safe comfortable but also have an alarm if you actually fall asleep (laughs) Um, you know because you need to get back to work Uh, your your team needs you so uh, uh, but uh, naps are really uh, are are really helpful Um, the only other caveat would be if you are having difficulty um, having a good full night's sleep, then uh, a nap was is probably something I would sort of caution against uh, and encourage you to do the exercise and and instead um, so that your sleep um, might be a, a little bit better. So um, you know, but I I've occasionally uh, when I've uh, sort of burnt candles at both ends, uh, I try not to do that, but every once in a while. Um, you know, a 15-minute nap, boy, I'm I'm ready to go, and uh, um, so it can be it can be very restorative. Dr. Diana McMillan, she's part cat, apparently, also <laughs> associate professor with the University of Manitoba College of Nursing, Rady Faculty of Health Services, and I'm a cat napper as well. Uh, Dr. McMillan, always great to get time with you. We appreciate this very much. Oh, you're you're always welcome. Have a great long weekend. Take and care. you too. Dr. Diana McMillan, one of our favorite guests here at 680 CJOB. Again, the headline at globalnews.ca if you want more information. Should you nap at work? A sleep specialist says yes. One, two, three. I'm Brett. He's Greg. And she is Shanalee. It's time for Three Things with Shanalee Vidal. And today, three things to look forward to this weekend. Hi, Shanalee. Good morning, Brett. Good morning, Greg. Good morning, Shanalee. So now I'm excited about this one because uh, I know for us who work in radio, sometimes we have to work on holidays. And there's that a, is true. There's a lot of people have to work on holidays, but this weekend we are very fortunate because uh, we can look forward to having Monday off for and, Louis Riel Day. And we want to acknowledge that there are people who do not get Monday <laughs> off. Exactly, exactly. So you know, um, you know, we appreciate all those people who do work on the holidays because we know what it's like. We do know what it's like. And of course, Louis Riel was the Métis leader, is regarded as the founder of Manitoba, and actually. A resolution was passed by Parliament citing that Louis Riel was the founder on uh, of Manitoba on March 10th, 1992. So it's a great time to reflect on the history of our province. Better late than never. Better late than ever. And I think we really appreciate this February holiday even more so because it's still rev- relatively recent. So it only goes back to uh, t- the past 10 years. And I can remember the time before we had this February holiday. And it was a really long slug to go from New Year's to Good Friday. And mm-hmm. that just made the winter seem really long and cold. And you didn't really have too much to look forward to. And also several other provinces are going to be celebrating holidays in February. Family Day is the big one for uh, that's BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Ontario, New Brunswick. It's called Islander Day in PEI. Very creative. I like that one. I like that. And uh, it's Heritage Day in Nova Scotia. I'm going to say something potentially blasphemous, but uh, I wish they would have gone with Cabin Fever Day. In Manitoba, I never was understood. that an option. I never understood that. I, I that's just my own idea. I just never understood the need to to make a bigger deal out of it. Just call it what it is. We need a day off. 
<laughs> per, yeah, that's why much. we got. That's why we have the holiday because we needed a holiday. Yeah. BC BC had their family day this previous Monday, and I think they are joining the rest of Canada so that everyone's holiday across the country it, lines it, up starting next Monday? year. Yeah. I believe so. Yes. That makes sense. I think so. They'd so, like to be on their own out there in BC anyway, but <laughs> they're at least coming around on this one. That's good. So for our next one, uh, some of us here at 680 Studio be are decked out in our plaid best. Yeah, we look great, don't we? <laughs> yeah. I got myself in my plaid blazer. Which looks tremendous on you, by Thank the you. way. Very nice. Not, a as, nice get. As a true Winnipeg, I have to tell you, I got it for 99 cents at a thrift store. <laughs> we'll call so, you Macklemore from now on. I know. On. I'm so excited about that deal. It was on clearance and uh, uh, Christian O'Mell is wearing his uh, big onesie. His plaid onesie looks comfortable. It's a sight to Jerry's behold. in plaid. Kelly's in plaid. And so, of course, uh, you it, it is plaid shirt day and you're encouraged to wear plaid. Snap a photo and put it on, share it on Twitter, Instagram. Use the hashtag wearplaid2018 and it's brought to you by Marx this year. It's to help kick off the Festival de Voyageur, which uh, starts today and runs until the 25th. And by the way, those photos are going to be entered into a, a grand prize draw of a $250 Marx gift card, plus three secondary prizes of $100 gift cards. Now, don't forget, plaid is spelled like played, P-L-A-I-D. It's not P-L-A-D. That's... That's, that's, a, that's, that's a good important tip. if you want to get in on that's the contest. That's a good tip. And of course, for Festival de Voyager, it, there's going to be 150 bands this year, both in English and French, and that's actually doubled from the five years ago. Now, earlier this week, we had Daryl Nado, Executive Director of Festival, to tell us what's new this year. This year, we've expanded our outdoor play area for kids. Uh, so we actually have the, the large slide that's kind of a staple where uh, kids go slide down by toboggan. We've also added tube slides. Uh, we've added a larger play structure area and a brand new uh, play structure, uh, a, pl- a game called the Imagination Playground. But we've also have two tents now for kids that are heated. So if it is a little bit chilly, there's always options for families who want to warm up. One tent will have storytelling and music for kids. And then the other tent will have some sort of circus type of, of atmosphere, a circus uh, stuff, and then a, a dance party for kids as well. So there's plenty of options for kids. So it makes me want to be a kid again, actually, hearing all of that fun stuff. And I have an important fact to tell you about Festival de Boisier this year. Okay. Something very important. Okay, another new thing is that they've actually increased the age of free admission. Last year, it was uh, free admission for kids five or under. This year, it's free admission for kids 12 and under. That's perfect for That's, me. Exactly. It's going to make it really family-friendly. And they changed something else with their day passes, right? Correct. You want to make sure that you sort of book and let them know when you're coming because of the popularity of Festival. They've got increased times when they're full. The park is full, and they actually have to turn people away. It affects parking, et cetera, et cetera. So they're asking you to confirm what day you plan to come when you purchase your day passes. You can do that on their website. Hey. H-E-H-O.ca, or you can download the app. I love I love that. Hey ho. It's great. It's fantastic. It encompasses so many things. What's uh, starting next week? So starting this week, starting, well, I guess technically this weekend, so that's why it's in uh, things to look forward to this weekend. It starts on the holiday Monday. You can celebrate one of Manitoba's roots, uh, root vegetable, that is. Hot potato, hot potato. Of course, I am talking about potato week, potato week, I should say. say, You have it spelled (laughs) wrong here. And you may have seen those big billboards around town. Let's say potato, yeah. potato week. Yeah, with alpha instead of the, I don't know what, what letter they've Ex- replaced. There's the, the alpha, A with the alpha, and, and an H. What are, what are they doing? 
they're they're spell it's spelling potato, but they're 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 trying to get lots of attention for the potatoes. Pot- Potatoes, potatoes. I don't, so <laughs> I don't like, know. So it's like Burger Week, Poutine it, Week. Yeah, exactly, exactly. This is the first time it's done. We have 39 restaurants that are taking part. They're all going to be cooking up potato-inspired dishes. Uh, we have some of the restaurants taking part: Fusion Grill, Stella's, Pe- uh, Peasant Cookery. I haven't found any details on some of the specific menu items being offered, but you can check out the whole list of ri- restaurants if you go to potato.ca. Now that's P-O-T-A-H-T-O, and that's event goes until February 25th. Now, I just want to give you, you, you guys, uh, everyone, a heads up, of course. Uh, in that 9 o'clock hour, I want to remind our listeners that we're going to be talking about potatoes again because uh, Simplot's potato processing plant expansion in Portage La Prairie is a pretty big deal. Uh, 400 million plus big it, deal. Exactly. So we're going to be finding what, out what that means for potato farmers around 9.35. All right, Channely. As if Dan Quayle didn't do enough. To confuse people on how to spell potato, you'll remember the vice president suggesting that a third grader add E to the word potato when spelling on a board this back in the 1980s. And forevermore, it's been more confusing about how to spell potato than it ought to be. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're missing something there, Shan Lee. Oh? There's supposed to be an E on there. No, there's not. <laughs> it ends with an O, Mr. Quayle. <laughs> Shanley Vidal, thank you very much. Three things with Shanley Vidal heard after the 8 o'clock news. Weekdays on 680 CJOB. Once again, Happy New Year. Today marks Chinese New Year. We say goodbye to the year of the rooster and hello to the year of the dog. And to tell us more about Chinese New Year and the Year of the Dog, we are joined by Tina Chen from the Winnipeg Chinese Cultural and Community Centre, along with her boy Davey. So thank you very much for joining us, Tina and Davey. Oh, we'll start by just saying good morning to you, Davey. Hi there. Hi. And How are you doing today, buddy? Good. Good. So happy New Year. Thanks. This is a special year for you in particular. Can you tell us why? Uh... I'm the year of the dog, and this is the year of the dog. So this is sort of magical year for you. This will happen every once in a while. How often will this will this happen, Tina? Well, it's uh, based on the astrological calendar, so it's every twelve years. Um, he'll have to wait for till he's sixty for the actual perfect um, lineup of everything. So, in addition to the twelve um, animals that make up the cycle, there's also five elements. So it's the year of the dog, and it's also the Earth year. So this year we're supposed to have a fairly grounded, reasonable year. Our pace is going to slow down a lot from the rapid pace of the year of the rooster, so that's good. Um, but for Davy, things will be a little bit up in the air. So there's the predictions say that if you're a dog, that this should be a good year, that it should sort of things should line up with you. But generally in the Chinese superstitions, when it is your year, contrary to popular belief, it's often said that that's not a lucky year oh, for you no. and that you have to be extra careful about how all the different things align. So, you know, Davey might have to listen to his mom better this well, year. Well, and that might be payback for having Johnny Goodrow and Connor McDavid as your favorite hockey players. <laughs> hey, uh, you mentioned five elements. I only know, I thought there were only four. What is the fifth <laughs> element? Oh, you're going you're gonna to throw the spotlight on me. Um, earth, wind, fire, metal, Air. Oh, okay. Metal. I can't believe I got them all. Yeah, I can good never for get you, them all. Last, Tina. Well, well done. Good for you. It was metal that I wasn't entirely <laughs> familiar with. So, what is the uh, like? Does 
each year, uh, if it's the year of the dog or year of the rooster, and it's your year, like, do you do people in the year of the dog have different characteristics from someone in the year of the rooster? They do. So the the tale around the astrological signs is that the emperor decided that there should be twelve animals, and he invited the all the animals to come to him, and that they would name the year after them. So each animal, of course, has their own personality, their own characteristics, and the order that they arrived sets the order of the cycle. Um, so some of them are a little bit more collaborative on their travels. Some of them, the rat who begins the cycle is well known for sitting on the head of the ox and tricking him by saying, I'll sing and I'll keep you there because he wasn't fast enough. And then when he got there, he jumped off the head and was first in line. So um, <laughs> dogs are said to be loyal and sincere. Many of the characteristics that we would associate with um, dogs, very friendly and social. And so for the gear of the dog... Um, this means that people are looking forward to a year in which there's greater dialogue, um, a slower pace, a willingness to get along. And I was reading this morning that they say that this is a year that if you start projects that are really based on your self-interest and greed and desire to make a lot of money, this isn't the year to do it. <laughs> Last year in the year of the rooster, maybe. Yeah. Or the dragon. No, but it's I, not I'm, the year for aggressive tactics. So I'm a rooster, born in 1969. So I'm coming out of my year last year. It was pretty good year. I'm not going to complain if we're going, we're marking up to midnight last night. Pretty good year after all. But uh, so does that mean I get to kind of slow down a little bit now? Like, are there any ramifications for someone who's coming out of their year? Do I get to nap uh, for a long time now? Well, you and I, exact same year that we're going on here. Okay. Um, what they say is that some of us might get a little restless this year, that, you know, that with the pace will slow down, that for things to be successful, that kind of patience of letting others take leadership and, you know, sort of working with others in this kind of more interactive way that maybe for those who are in the year of the rooster or the dragon or others might get a little bit restless and, you know, work, move too quickly. Now, Tina Chen is our guest, Winnipeg Chinese Cultural and Community Center. We want to ask you, what kind of celebrations are happening in China? But I'm just curious to know from a personal level. I'm a snake, 1977. What's uh, What are the differentiating traits of a snake? Oh, the snake. I I can't even remember at the moment. Okay, David, well, that's remember? okay. I can Google it. David's no watching problem. skiing uh, on TV. <laughs> that's no, no problem. Let's turn to how uh, China celebrates the New Year because we were hearing this morning that it's uh, it's it's like a two week spectacle. Is that? Uh, can you shed some light on that? Yeah, this is the most important um, holiday and festival of the of the Chinese year. So. And here we generally think of the New Year as being the kind of marking point, but this really is on the lunar calendar. So it would have begun in the last a few weeks ago or about a week ago where families would first prepare for um, the coming of the kitchen god. And so you make sure that you've cleaned off the altar to the kitchen god. You put out sticky rice cakes so that when the rice, when the kitchen god comes down to check on and then report back on your family, they actually can't speak very well in case there might be something you don't want them to tell them. Because <laughs> the sticky rice is in their mouth? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> how it works. Um, and then last night, or for the Chinese New Year, most families would have gathered for a major banquet, and that kind of kicks things off. Um, but before that, they will have cleaned out the house. Um, you never sweep on New Year's because you've already supposedly cleaned out, and you want to make way for all the good spirits to come in, and you don't want to sweep away any of the good. So I'm probably behind the ball. I did not clean my 
house that cl- carefully,、um, oh. but tradition says I should have. And then the banquet is followed by a number of celebrations, often just around family. A lot of emphasis on types of foods that you eat that signify、um, different elements of coming together. And then it will culminate again in the Lantern Festival at the end. You missed out on an opportunity and excuse not to sweep or vacuum for like three, four days. <laughs> exactly, you, you, and clean you, my windows. Yeah, you see, you, you let yourself <laughs> down a little bit there, Tina. But this is a fascinating thing, fascinating celebration, and the number of people who are traveling across China. You know, we've seen the reports, and、mm-hmm. it's that just absolutely mind-boggling to to see how many. It's almost like a mass migration、yes. of people, right? Every everyone wants to be with family. So,、uh, what is coming up? Is there anything else in the Chinese community in Winnipeg that we should be looking forward to, or was kind of last night the thing? Well, scheduling a banquet never always lines up entirely. So the、um, Winnipeg Chinese Culture and Community Center、um, will be having its banquet on Sunday night. It is always a lot of fun. It's a sold-out affair, but、um, it's at Kumkum Garden, and we will. It's a big banquet. We don't necessarily have all the traditional foods when we're there.、It、depends.、Um, some of them are harder to serve to 600 people than、uh, we would normally do.、Um, I'm not sure anyone in that restaurant wants to be folding dumplings for us all day, but <laughs> it's a it's a lot of fun. We've also had other celebrations down at the cultural center.、Um, the lion dance is a key part of、so、of this. One of Davy's favorites. Davy, do you remember why we have the lion dance?、Uh, to scare away bad spirits. Exactly. So、um, there you, is you use one scary thing to scare away the less scary things. Well, the dragon and the, both the dragon and the lion dances are actually for good luck. And so, but there is also part of the myth is that there's a mythic creature who comes down on the Chinese New Year, and that you want to then, but that they're scared of the color red. They're scared of loud noises.、Um, and so, and so, this is where traditions around the lion dance to make the noise to bring to scare them away and make sure that the good spirits come in. Firecrackers. That's why you must. Light off those firecrackers at midnight and keep them going and have lots of noise and the color red. So it's not just obnoxious. It's it, there's a reason behind the firecrackers. <laughs> oh,、why. there's always a reason for a firecracker. <laughs> this has been really neat, Tina. Thanks so much for this and and happy New Year to you and Davy. Good luck the rest of your hockey season, buddy. Thanks and、uh, happy New Year to you. The website is www.wccc. That's Winnipeg Chinese Cultural and Community Center. Tina Chen is from the Winnipeg Chinese Cultural and Community Center. Happy New Year, Tina. Thank you. And happy New Year to you, Davy. Thanks. Right now, Macklin and McGarry and 680 CJOB want you to go to a website, the Winnipeg. Nightlife Awards. It's WinnipegNightlifeAwards.com, where you can vote for 680 CJOB for your favorite radio station and your favorite morning show. It's the third annual Winnipeg Nightlife Awards. They're taking place at March March 30th Metropolitan Entertainment Center by Canadians, and the event highlights the best in the entertainment industry and Winnipeg. Nightlife. So we have a few people in the studio from the Winnipeg Nightlife Awards. We have two members on the committee, Jan,、uh, Jordan Earl and Crystal Vickers. Jordan is part owner at Four for One Main. Crystal is with Rogue Promotions, and Janet Harder is the general manager of the Met. So thank you very much, the three of you, for joining us to tell、thank、us、you. about the Nightlife Awards. Of course.
We may or may not be campaigning at this very moment, <laughs> uh, but really the interest to bring you on, we had you on last year, and uh, this is a really a great way to highlight great things Winnipeg, right? And uh, why don't we start with you, Jordan? What, what got you interested in getting involved in this committee and the whole idea behind the Winnipeg Nightlife Awards? Because it highlights a variety of, uh, of different things and, and people that do great stuff in our town. Yeah, 100%. I think for myself, it was just an opportunity to become just a little more involved in the city and uh, kind of everything that was going on. And I think one of the cool things that I've seen um, is an opportunity to learn a bit more about some of the other restaurants and different venues in the city and some of the cool new lounges and pubs and patios that are around. And over the winter, over the last uh, month or so, a chance to kind of check out some of the cool new spots that I'd heard a lot about, but haven't had a chance to go to yet. So... Well, that's one of the things that we like about the Nightlife Awards. I mean, the, the, the name itself, I think, might make people think of a certain thing. But really, when you look at the, nom- the, the possible things to, to vote upon, there's something for everyone here. There's restaurants, pubs, lounges, uh, beers, radio stations. What, uh, tattoo artist is a new category yeah, this absolutely. year. absolutely. Anything you can think of. And the awards themselves are for anyone to attend. Yeah, uh, I think that that's something that we really want to put out there is that... Uh, these are not just an awards show for people who are in the nightlife industry, but really any and all are welcome and encouraged to please come and attend and learn a bit more about some of the other kind of cool different things that are going on in the city. Crystal, I was in the hospitality industry for years and the friendships that you make, uh, even though you might work at rival Mm-hmm. places is th- their lifetime relationships, right? Oh, and sure. and for as much as there is that rivalry, especially in the uh, softball, uh, the restaurant, uh, slow pitch league, uh, <laughs> Chi-Chi's uh, won a championship 1991, 92. <laughs> Take that, Sorrentos. Um, <laughs> there are friendships that are made between people that work at different venues. Oh, absolutely. Um, so this is really kind of like a good event in um, being able to to Bring people Um, together? Not bring people together, but give them recognition, um, your peers and everything for what they do in the nightlife industry. And um, just, yeah, I guess bring people together, but... Um, well, we like that it's a celebration of Winnipeg. I mean, I'm just for looking sure. at best uh, local brand, for example. Greg and I have spoken to many young entrepreneurs over the last year. Uh, you've got best uh, <laughs> local craft beer, which has just exploded that scene over the last year. We, I think this time last year, there were maybe three or four. Now there's over a dozen. And uh, the venue itself, we'll get to the GM of the Met in a moment, but Crystal, you've been involved with, have you been involved with the Nightlife Awards since the beginning? I have, yeah. So this is my third year uh, with the Winnipeg Nightlife Awards, and um, it is growing. It's nice to see um, a lot of new new categories and new people um, get involved and um and how do you like the venue? How is it? Uh, is it the working Met out? The is so beautiful. It's such a great venue. Um, it's one of my favorite spots. So like we were talking about earlier, when you hear that something's at the Met, it definitely sells you on wanting to go because of how how amazing it is. And well run. <clears throat> well, <Thank> you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving it. And Janet Harder is the manager, the GM at the Metropolitan Entertainment Center by Canadians. So, what is it about the Met that that uh, lends itself so well to an event like this? Uh, it, so much about the venue itself, of course. Uh, you can take a look at the, you know the layout, of the infrastructure. It's you know it is a theater. It was meant to provide entertainment on so many different levels. 
from the very beginning of when it was a silent movie house to where it is today, we have the opportunity to do such unique events because of the layout of the room, beautifully, completely restored back to its original grandeur. And the word grandeur speaks of the Met and elegance. Um, and, and the room can transform, whether it's the award show, whether it's a wedding, a gala, a club-style party, or even just an intimate little reception, you know. So the beauty and the diversity of the venue, of course, is what attracts me. The the work that was put back in to rejuvenate the Metropolitan Entertainment Centre is amazing, and it's what attracted me to that uh, opportunity when presented to come, you know, hey, do you want to come run the Met? And I do. I love it. I love the Winnipeg Nightlife Awards as well. It's the perfect type of event for the venue in terms of sight lines, in terms of sound acoustics, what we spent all last year improving the sound acoustics and the equipment in the room because our mandate this year is to enter into the world much more so of live entertainment. The beauty of the venue is it can be anything. It's a multi- it's a multi-level entertainment center, and we absolutely uh, enjoy these types of events as well as we have restaurants inside. So it's the diversity of, of the space. And, and restoration can be a tricky thing, right? It can. Because it can be done poorly. It can. And this was not done poorly. It was not. Mm-hmm. The uh, the undertakings by Canadians to restore right back to its original grandeur was uh, amazing. And there's there's photos that, that let you know how that all happened, but they literally found even the plaster mold from 85 years ago and had those shipped up so that when they did restore it, they restored it right back to where it originally was. And that's the beauty of it. And that's resulted in an incredible designation for for the Met just in the last few weeks. Very exciting. January 15th, we received our National Historical Site designation. And so we are there forever, which is exciting. WinnipegNightlifeAwards.com is the website. We want you to go there and vote for your favorite morning show, Mackling and McGarry, for your favorite radio station, 680 CJOB for your favorite radio personality. We also have Ke- uh, Hal Anderson and Kevin Bergen in that category. Hal Anderson from 1 until 4 and Kevin Bergen from The Main Ingredient who also has, uh, he's nominated for Best Social Media Presence by the way for The Main Ingredient. Our guests are Janet Harder who is the General Manager of the Metropolitan Entertainment Centre by Canadians, Crystal Vickers from Rogue Promotions and Jordan Earle part owner of 441 Maine. We have about three minutes here and we have three things we want to get to. So Janet, let's start with you. There is going to be a Lifetime Achievement Award handed out there when is. the awards are handed out on March 30th. There is, and we're very excited. Uh, this is, you know, year three and this is the third recipient. Um, <clears throat> but we're very excited to say that that's Doug Stephen of Wow Hospitality. And so featuring him, Doug is a longstanding pillar in our community, especially in our hospitality community. He's brought a lot of concepts into the city, five Two Nine Wellington, um, the Peasant Cookery, I believe, and you know so much more. And I'm actually go back a few years in the restaurant industry, back to the grapes days. And so Doug's been with us, and uh, he has done quite a bit for the city. So we're proud of that. And Jordan, uh, I understand that votes are through the roof compared to last year so far. Yeah, it's incredible. Over 130,000 individual votes so far, and that number continues to climb every day. So, yeah, we're extremely excited. The engagement has been wonderful this year. And you don't have to, there are a ton of categories, but you don't have to vote on every single category, No, certainly not. If you have uh, one person uh, or one venue in particular that uh, you really feel about, you can definitely go on and just vote for that one category, or you can go through the list and put your vote in for every category. And Crystal, for those that would like to attend, how do they do so? Um, You can buy tickets online at um, www.winnipegnightlifeawards.com. Um, they are $40 and include the Jack Daniels red carpet reception and the general admission tickets are $20, which are um, 
rush seating and also include um, entrance into the after party. And one of the things I really like about these awards, too, is just the ability to create conversation, right? Like, there's a best bartender category. I can't name a single person on this, but it does make me... I think we all probably have a favorite bartender, either currently or from days gone by. I'll give a shout to uh, Andre, who used to work at the Oak in Transcona. <laughs> he used to... He could make, like, 50 drinks all in one time. It was incredible. So that takes me back to a good place, a good memory. So I think that uh, that's why these awards are kind of helping to forge new paths. Has new memories, Jordan. Yeah, absolutely. New memories and kind of opening our eyes to some of the different things the city has to offer, whether that's the best tattoo artist in the city, the best barber, the best stylist, or the, the best new venue or the best existing venue. I'll give a shout out to Russ and Andy. He used to serve me a lot of drinks at uh, Night Moves and then Bullwinkles and then like all over the place. I think <laughs> <laughs> Russ is still kicking around out there. So give a shout out to those guys. <laughs> Janet, you're kind of you're nodding your head. Does that ring any I'm, bells yeah, for you? Yeah, I, I was ready to say Norma Jean's. I don't know if anybody goes back that far, <laughs> oh, but uh, yes. I totally know what you're talking about, and that that's the community of it all as well. 100 percent, lifelong memberships and or relationships and and friendships uh, as we started out. We're looking forward to this. Thanks for coming by to share this, and congratulations on the engagement. Fantastic news. Uh, well done. Yeah, again, looking at there's best food truck, there's best restaurant, uh, nightclub. There's something for everyone here. Honestly, just go to WinnipegNightlifeAwards.com and look at the categories and the nominees. Think of it like a research. You know, it, it's it's a checklist of things you might not know exist in our great city. So thank you, Janet Harder from the Metropolitan Entertainment Center, GM of the Met, Jordan Earl, part owner of 4 for 1 Main, and Crystal Vickers with Rogue Promotions to tell us about the Winnipeg Nightlife Awards. Go vote for Mackling and McGarry, 680 CJOB, Hal Anderson, and Kevin Bergen. Yeah. Speed it up a little bit more. They get that way underground. There can't be much to do. And now they have blue ones too. We don't care what they look like, we'll eat them anyway. They can fit Behind the glass, Jerry, with another gem. Gems are a kind of potato, by the way. That's a really bad potato joke. Mackling and McGarry, this ain't no joke. Construction will begin this spring on a massive expansion at the Simplot plant. That's just west of Portage La Prairie. The company is spending, get this. $460 million on the project that will see the plant grow from 180,000 square feet to 460,000 square feet. Once the expansion is complete in the fall of 2018, 87 more people will work at the site. But that's really just the beginning of the story to get some insight into what this expansion means for Manitoba potato farmers. We are joined live on 680 CJOB by Dan Sawatsky, manager of Keystone Potato Producers Association. Thanks for uh, sitting through that rather long rambling introduction, Dan, but I would say it was worth the wait. What an incredible announcement this week. It's great news for our industry. Thanks for the interview, uh, Greg and Brett, appreciate your your interest. Well, this is this is really big news for lots of sectors in the economy, right, Dan? Because it's not just potato farmers that are going to benefit from this. Right off the top of my head, I I think about transportation providers that will be shipping all these new French fries, this increased capacity to produce French fries and other potato goods to all markets uh, across North America. Oh, yeah, right. The spinoffs. I mean, the the announcement will require about. 18,000 extra acres of potatoes uh, along with that. Uh, you know, new buildings will have to be built for, for storing of potatoes, uh, equipment, additional equipment to be bought to 
to be able to take advantage of the opportunity that's before us. Where are the potatoes? For those who are unfamiliar with the agricultural uh, activities in our province, where are the bulk of the potatoes being grown in Manitoba? Well, I guess currently the bulk of the production is being grown uh, above the Assiniboine Delta Aquifer, which would include Carberry uh, as kind of the centre, but uh, reaching north toward Nipawa and south toward Glenborough. What is it about that part of the province, that part of the world, Dan, that makes potato growing uh, so outstanding? Well, I guess uh, the, the biggest thing is, is the, the availability of water uh, under uh, uh, for processing, growing processing potatoes. The processors are, are looking for production that that can be irrigated. Uh, the soils in that area are also, you know, quite conducive to to good potato production. I should add, we we do grow potatoes out in the Winkler. Uh, south, uh, the southern area of the province uh, through Carmen and, and uh, Ports of Prairie. So, so there's quite a wide area. Uh, the other areas do rely on, on some off-stream reservoirs to uh, be able to capture water in the spring and then and have it available for the growing season. So there, there are other um, you know, ways to Im- increase our production uh, apart from the aquifer. Now, PEI is famous for its potatoes. Uh, do we produce more potatoes than PEI? Are we genuinely the potato province if we were, uh, if we were comparing apples and oranges, so to speak? On acreage, uh, we, we currently set at about 63,000, 64,000 acres of potato production. PEI is in that 90,000 range, but in terms of actual production, our yields have been uh, improving and, and surpassing PEIs over the last decade or so. So uh, we are, are, are getting very close currently to um, matching them in, in overall you know, production uh, yield-wise. And this announcement has the potential for us to surpass them in, in, uh, in, in uh, overall uh, production, I guess. Dan Zawatsky is our guest. He is manager of Keystone Potato Producers Association, and we're talking about how construction starting this spring on a massive expansion at uh, the Simplot plant just west of Portage La Prairie. Company spending four hundred and sixty million dollars on a project that'll see the plant grow from one hundred and eighty thousand to four hundred and sixty thousand square feet. What does the potato mean to Manitoba's economy? Is there a dollar figure that you can put on it? You know, we did a study about three years ago looking at the economic impact uh, of potatoes in, in the province of Manitoba. And at that time, it uh, you know, the, the spinoffs, you know, when you add up all the impact that uh, potato production has in this province, it totaled to just over a billion dollars. Uh, you know, for for the province here, and uh, that number, of course, in, increased as as you spread outward across Canada. Now, as we've driven the conversation here, we've been asking you questions, Dan. Is there anything that maybe we missed and that we didn't that topic that we didn't cover that that Manitobans should know about potato production and the role it plays in our economy? Well, I think the the news uh, part of the news here is is uh, the um, I think the increase in demand that potatoes is currently experiencing. Uh, that's what's driving this additional expansion. Um, you know, the, the, the quick food service restaurants introducing all day breakfasts. Um, uh, those kinds of things are are um, you know pushing the demand and and. Uh, 
you know, it's a good news story for Manitoba. There aren't uh, many areas in the world that uh, have the resources that we do here in this province as far as the ability to irrigate and the land base that is conducive and suitable for potato production. Uh, so, you know, overall, I think this is a very positive news story. We're glad to, you know, have the opportunity to, to uh, you know, uh, work with Simplot in, in meeting the, the growing demand. Hey, Dan, I see, also see that by expanding the, uh, the, by doubling the capacity of this plant, it's the Fre- uh, French fry plant, the, uh, the French fry plant, that is, uh, it's going to drive up the demand for Manitoba potatoes. Do you know who or, or who the, who's buying these French fries? Is it fast food restaurants or restaurants or uh, is it McCain? Like, who, who's buying this stuff? You know, it's not McCain, of course. It's a Simplot plant, uh, but... Uh, the quick service restaurants that I did refer to would be probably, you know, the major, the major customer uh, for the potatoes produced here uh, in, in Portage from Simplot. Uh, in particular, uh, the McDonald French fry uh, is, is, is the market that they are, would be going after. Um, the, the quality that we can produce here uh, lends itself to, to that type of, of production, uh, uh, we, we, we have some good quality and, and uh, that translates into uh, efficiency in, in, in running that plant. Dan, thank you for this. We appreciate this. And you know what? Can't help but say congratulations. This is a, a huge news story for the province of Manitoba and obviously even bigger news for Keystone Potato Producers Association. Thanks for this. Thanks. Thanks for your interest. The legalization date for marijuana, as Greg alluded to, Ottawa pushing it back, the province of Manitoba continuing to prepare for it on schedule. The province has accepted proposals from four companies to set up retail outlets later this year. And one of those companies is, cons- uh, is Consortium of Delta 9, Cannabis Inc. and Canopy Growth Corporation. CEO of Delta 9 is John Arbuthnot, and he joins us live on 680 CGOB. John, uh, it's been quite the ride for you folks in the last 18 months or so. When did you get this news, and, and what does it mean for Delta 9? <laughs> Oh, first of all, good morning, and, and thank you for having us on. Uh, yeah, I, I can't uh, understate the importance of this uh, uh, development for us uh, at Delta 9. Uh, you know, I guess first step for us in our uh, strategy uh, for recreational uh, cannabis is, is that integration into retail across the Prairie provinces. And, uh, you know, of course, major announcement for us here with our successful bid uh, in Manitoba to open uh, hopefully a chain of retail stores across the province with our partner Canopy Grove. So tell us a little bit about Delta 9. What have you folks been doing leading up to this announcement? Well, we're Manitoba's, uh, I guess, original licensed producer of uh, of medical cannabis. We were licensed by Health Canada back uh, in 2013 uh, for for production of medical cannabis under their uh, MMPR program. Uh, Over 2017, we... uh, uh, I guess in the lead up to legalization, uh, took on a, a little bit of a growth strategy. Uh, we raised $34 million over the year. Uh, took the company public in November last year. Uh, we now trade on the uh, Toronto Venture Exchange. And, and it really, a lot of this has been positioning and preparation for legalization uh, middle of this year. John, at what point did you realize there was going to be a tipping point in terms of your perception in the investment community and a point when people were looking at you as not just some guy with a dream, uh, but an individual and a company that had some genuine potential value for investors? 
Well, I, I think we've seen that real catalyst uh, uh, event for not just Delta 9, but for our entire industry over the year 2017. Uh, the, the pace of uh, companies raising capital was accelerated to to a rate that you know we had we had never seen before. Uh, actually, over about the first 30 days of of this year, 2018, companies have raised uh, over two billion dollars in the cannabis space. So, uh, you know, beyond Delta 9 uh, accelerating our pace of expansion and and investment, uh, I think we've really seen a validation of the entire cannabis space in Canada as as not just uh, an exciting event, but a global leader. Uh, in the legalization of recreational use cannabis. What would you have done had you not been approved? Uh, well, we would have, uh, you know, shifted pace, I think, a little bit in terms of our business strategy, become a little bit more of a uh, a bulk producer and, and wholesaler uh, on that side of the business. Uh, uh, but, our, you know, we've, we've always been intent that our long-term strategy is that integration into retail. If it wasn't today, uh, hopefully it would have been down the line. Uh, I'm, of course, very excited that uh, we're on the right side of the announcement today and, uh, uh, again, well-positioned to be opening stores uh, in this calendar year. Now, John, I don't know if you knew this. We were speaking with the folks from the Manitoba, the Keystone uh, potato growers uh, in our last segment and highlighting what's happening with the Simplot plant expansion near Porge La Prairie, a $480 million investment. And obviously there are some real reasons as to why uh, the rest of North America wants our potatoes and our French fries. Is there something inherently Manitoban about Delta 9 and the, and the, and the stuff that you guys grow that people really like? Is it the technology uh what is it that that separates you from from the rest well we've got a very unique uh grow grow model here uh, at delta nine we call that our delta nine grow pod so everything uh that we produce is it comes out of these modular uh grow pods very small area but with, with a focus on on quality uh on small batch uh, uh on on hand trimmed and, and hydroponically grown uh, product uh, we really leverage what what we like to call our Manitoba advantage, uh, and that is that when we look at our sector in aggregate, uh, the, the major cost centers are, are power, labor, uh, and warehousing space, and, and we're very blessed here in Manitoba to have some uh, uh, affordable <laughs> uh, components in those major cost centers. So it, it really gives us a, a competitive advantage versus our competitors in other provinces, allows us to create that high-quality product uh, but also at a competitive price. And that is very much Delta 9's value proposition. John, we got to wrap it up here. Uh, but just very quickly, where is the first retail location going to be? <laughs> a little too early to comment on that uh, from our side in terms of uh, specifics. But uh, again, hopefully we're going to see uh, not just one, but a number of uh, Delta 9 uh, lifestyle cannabis locations open uh, in this calendar year. Congratulations, John. Best to your dad uh, and the entire family over there at Delta 9. It's an exciting day and uh, good on you for for pulling this off. Uh, Another proud Manitoba story here to be sure. Much appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Have a good day. John Arbuthnot, CEO of Delta 9, one of four companies uh, which the province has accepted proposals from to set up retail outlets this year for cannabis. Question of the day, what's your favorite part of Festival du Voyageur? The music, the snow sculptures, the beard growing contest, 
It's an excuse to wear plaid. Today is plaid shirt day. Question of the day for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. Get two quotes before you call them. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace. 204-832-6243. Happy uh, New Year to our Chinese friends. Happy Chinese New Year and Bon Festival. And vote for Mackling and McGarry and 680 CJOB on WinnipegNightlifeAwards.com. Thanks to Behind the Glass Jerry, Chan Lee Vidal, and thank you for listening to CJOB. And then-